This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the typically modern way to construe freedom is as follows. Freedom from external constraints so as to be free for self-expression. I am free, the modern person says, in the measure that I have escaped from all those persons, hang-ups, traditions, and fears that have shackled me so that I can do, finally, what I want. I'm free from constraint, and now I'm free for expressing myself. Movie after movie, novel after novel, poem after poem in contemporary culture celebrates just this kind of freedom. If you don't believe me, try this exercise. Sit down and watch a series of films. Sit down and watch a series of TV shows. And I bet you will find celebrated over and over again precisely this type of freedom. In many ways, it is the monomyth, the great singular myth of our time. But the Bible construes freedom in an entirely different way. I might state it as follows. Biblical freedom means freedom from attachment so as to find the freedom for doing the will of God. Let me say it again. Biblical freedom is freedom from attachment so as to find freedom for doing the will of God. This is why the Bible never tells stories of self-discovery and self-expression. That's just not the game in the Bible. It never celebrates someone who's wriggled free of tradition and moral demand so as to do what he wants. In fact, that's almost the, the negative side. That's, the, that's the, what the Bible uh, denigrates. Now, with this clarification in mind, let's look at our first and third readings for this Sunday. The first reading is taken from the first book of Kings, and it recounts the calling and commissioning of Elisha as the successor to Elijah. Look in that first book of Kings, by the way, for that wonderful cycle of stories about Elijah, the prophet. Well, this now is about the moment of transition when Elijah is choosing his successor, Elisha. We hear that Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. We'll probably skip over that detail, but it was very telling because that was the ancient way of saying this man was very rich. To have one animal, that was impressive in the ancient world. To have 12 yoke of oxen, that's the ancient equivalent of saying this man was driving a Maserati. This man had a garage full of cars. 
We're meant to understand that this young man, Elisha, has a lot to lose. We then hear that Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over him. The gesture of placing one's mantle on another was a way of claiming him and passing on one's authority. Notice something, please, how different it is from our way of thinking. Elijah didn't ask permission. He didn't check it out with Elisha to see whether he was up to this prophecy thing. He didn't sit down and discuss it first with the young man. He simply claimed him because God had told him to do so. Again, all this violates our sense of freedom, but not the biblical sense of freedom. In fact, this is what freedom is all about. Discovering the way to do God's will for you. God had told Elijah to do this, and thus by claiming Elisha, the prophet was bringing the young man closer to authentic freedom. See, that's the point. And away from ersatz forms of freedom. He was, by, by putting his mantle on him, he was helping him understand what his true freedom is. The point, again, is not to stand independent of traditions and forms and persons, but rather to find out what God wants me to do. You know, whenever I read this story, I think of that um, true story. I, I've told you, um, I think in past homilies, about a young man who was a eighth-grade student, and the pastor of the parish came by, and he simply chose certain people in the class to go to Quigley, which was the uh, high school seminary. You, 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 and you, I want you to go to Quigley. Well, three of them went, but this person didn't. He went to a different high school. Then the following year, the pastor showed up at that high school and he saw this young man. And he said, I thought I told you to go to Quigley. And the young man said, well, I, I don't I really want to go to Quigley. And the pastor said, well, who cares what you want? I chose you. Now, again, that violates our sense of freedom. But that's very close to a biblical sense of freedom. That pastor intuited that priesthood was the will of God for this young man. Now, what's interesting about that story is I heard it at the 50th priesthood anniversary of that kid. The pastor had indeed correctly construed what it was that God wanted that young man to do. That's biblical freedom, though it's not modern freedom. Now, back to our story. Elisha, sensing that this was indeed his vocation, left the oxen and ran after Elijah. It's wonderful, isn't it? He left his former life. That's what it means. You know, leaving the oxen means leaving his whole way of life. And he ran after Elijah. That wonderful moment when you understand what it is that God wants you to do. Then you, like Mary, proceed in haste. Then you, like Elisha, run in the direction God wants you to run. That's the excitement of true freedom. But then we hear Elisha did something even more dramatic. He took his oxen. Now, keep in mind, this is the very source of his wealth. He took his oxen, he slaughtered them, and then burned his plowing equipment for fuel so as to boil the meat and feed the people. Now, just think of those three moves. It's fascinating, isn't it? He gets rid of the oxen. Well, that's his whole livelihood. He burns his plow. Well, that's, that's how he made his living. 
But then he uses that as fuel to cook the meat to give to the people. In other words, Elisha is taking every aspect of his old life and he is giving it away. This would be the equivalent in our terms of he sold his car, his house, emptied out his bank account, sold his stocks, and gave away all the money. That's exactly what's being communicated here. Is a wealthy person, full of the future, full of opportunity, listen, probably able to do what he wanted, but in fact, giving all of that away. Because these things are seen now on biblical terms, not as the means to freedom, but precisely as the blocks to freedom. Let me say that again. I think we're at the hinge of this whole story. The very things, wealth and opportunity and status and position, that we would tend to see as the means to real freedom are seen here as the blocks to freedom. What would keep Elisha from discovering his true vocation? Now, with that story haunting our minds, let's turn to the gospel reading. Someone comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, see, Mind you, there's biblical freedom, isn't it? I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. To have the freedom to do that, that's biblical freedom. Jesus answers, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, he's asking this eager young follower, Are you willing to forego comfort, security, and home in order to follow me? Listen, are you truly free, or are these attachments that are blocking your freedom? Son of man has no place to lay his head. And so if you follow the son of man, you'll have no place to lay your head. Are you free enough to follow the prompting of God's will? Then, even more dramatically, to another he said, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered, let the dead bury their dead. Now, for us, this is shocking enough. To a first century Jew, this was a breathtaking thing to say. There was no social obligation more pressing, less negotiable in Jesus' time than this. Family was the most significant social context for any individual, more important than tribe or country. But even this, Jesus is saying, has to go if you are to be free to follow him. Is family a good thing? Sure. But it's an attachment in the measure that it keeps you from doing what God wants you to do. And see, Jesus is forcing the question here. When push comes desperately to shove, where do you go? What do you do? Let the dead bury their dead means you've got to be free enough from the attachment even of your family to follow God's will. You know what we find in the story, I think, shades of the story of the rich young man. That rich fellow comes to Jesus. He wants to be his follower. But Jesus says, 
Give what you have to the poor, and you'll find treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What he senses is the wealth of the young man is an attachment that will keep him from doing God's will. So you've got to let go of it. You've got to be like Elisha, who's willing to get rid of the oxen, to burn the plow, to hand it all over, to follow Elijah with freedom. Now, with these two stories in mind, let's turn very briefly to our second reading. And some of Paul's remarkable statements in the letter to the Galatians. Listen, brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. That's the key. That's the key, this little passage. But now we understand it, don't we? The freedom Paul's talking about doesn't have a thing to do with self-expression or self-discovery. It has to do with vocation, with the liberty to follow the will of God no matter what. Don't submit to the yoke of slavery. That means to all those attachments, wealth and pleasure, power, honor, status, even your own health, all those attachments. Don't submit to that. But find the freedom that Christ gives you. Paul goes on, the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see what that is? That's what it means to follow Christ. What's keeping you from love? That is an attachment. What frees you for love? That's your vocation. You see, friends, in some ways, everything else is commentary. This is the question. This is the hinge. Have you found freedom in Christ? And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.